You're exactly where you need to be. And you're listening to ADD Comedy with Dave Rosaski. Today's guest is the wonderful, gregarious, hilarious Dave Lumen. You will be charmed by this guy. Not only is he charming, but he's also written for Nickelodeon, Disney, MTV, Cartoon Network, Comedy Central, where he wrote Drawn Together with a dear friend of ours, Joe Liss. And he wrote Third Rock from the Sun. Not the entire thing, but an episode or a year's worth. He's written 87 books, some for Simon & Schuster, some for Random House, and he wrote 71 SpongeBob comics. 71. This guy's the real deal. I had such a good time. I know you're going to have a good time. Let's talk about it later. But listen to this now. Yeah. When we first did the show, it was all um, uh, we're figuring it out, trying to figure out what the what the podcast was. Yes. And as it's gone on, it's become this. It's it's got its voice. It's found yeah. its voice. So the logo that we had doesn't match what it is that we're doing, but the new logo doesn't necessarily match that either. Um, except I know this. My brother did the logo. Oh, well, that's important. So it's a family. Well, that's and, fine, then. Yeah, and my friend Al Rose. Brotherly logos. Yeah, brotherly logos. <laughs> and my friend Al Rose did the music for us. I'm really excited about the music. It's really... Oh, good. Uh, people will have heard it by now because they would have listened to this up to this point and the music that they oh, heard. Oh, they've already heard they've it. They've already heard it. I haven't heard it. You haven't heard it. it. They've heard it. I'll act <laughs> like I heard it. I thought it was great. I thought it hit the tone just right. <laughs> exactly. I thought so too. That's what I thought. I thought that same thing. Um, you, uh, I, I've got to tell you, I was so surprised at how many, I'm going to jump in the fuck right in because That's I'm fine. so surprised at how many books you've written. <laughs> I'm so fucking surprised. I went, wait. No, this guy's David Lumen. It probably isn't the same, but yes, it is. It is. <laughs> how how many? How many, Dave? Well, how many? Well, it's not that I keep track, but eighty-seven, and uh, and that includes a very wide definition of the word book. <laughs> 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 like little collections of stickers and uh, right. terrible puns. Right. And, well, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and by the way, your, your Twitter stuff is fucking hilarious. Oh, thank it's you. Really, really funny. Um, uh, I was going through them this morning and laughing. But uh, I, a friend of mine wrote a book, and I really wanted to correct him and say, you wrote a blurb. Uh-huh. You didn't write a blurb. <laughs> yeah. You wrote a blurb. It's so tiny. But he wrote a blurb. I haven't even written a blurb. <laughs> I don't know what we, I, I especially don't know nowadays what a book is, of course, anymore, since we have digital electronic forms of books. But I, you know, my books are, they are paper and right. they do have my name on them. People always ask that. Is your name on them? <laughs> like that, that you caught cross some Rubicon into, you really did write a book. If your name's on it. <laughs> I guess you're right. But, but he's, they're sort of right because um, they're all licensed stuff so they're like spongebob books right and uh wild thornberries did books. you have a, a a procedural book too like ncis <laughs> yes. or something yes. like that yes yeah. club csi club csi um predicated not by me but by a publisher on the notion that what america's children want to read about is police procedurals <laughs> now kids if you've somehow stumbled onto this podcast and you hear me laughing at the idea of this book and you love these books 
you know, I don't know how to face that sentence. I, I'm laughing at you is what I was thinking about saying. But, um, no, you're not laughing but I'm at not, them. I'm not. No. Um, you're and laughing I tried to make them good, of course. Well, but you're, you're really looking at a publisher who said, uh, why not? Yes. Here's a super popular television show that's had five or six incarnations. Over a period, a long period yeah. of time. Maybe uh, over a period of a child is nine and then is now 24. Well, that's true. It might be the parent who has always loved CSI. You know what I want to buy my kids? Exactly. A vaguely CSI-related book. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, one of the characters, the teacher, is the cousin of an actual CSI character. This was wait, 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 all you can't handed say, to me. Okay, but it's not an actual CSI character because a CSI character is a character. Well, it's an actual right. CSI character. Oh, it's an actual character, but, <laughs> but it's it an, an actual... actual person, no. Wait, how do I know the difference? <laughs> because there's the Bible, which confuses everything. Um, I actually, I did a one signing for the club CSI books in Vegas. Uh -huh. um, and one at Circus Circus, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was like ten to one odds against me so making it, with children. It's like wow, the parents are gambling, <laughs> and you're tired of the circus thing. Go to the book author. reading. Like, oh, by the way, people are going to hear the pounding. Um, is that that my you neighbors are telling me that. <laughs> that you are hitting your knees so hard at the things I'm saying? Anne Ryerson gave me shit about that. Do you know Annie Ryerson? Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like David is now hitting his leg, but that sound is actually uh, the pounding of um, the, what are they? They're putting in a new floor. Yeah. So that's what's happening. So right. anyway, so you're you're in Vegas. Yes, Circus Circus, and I'm America. actually at the library. Mm -hmm. I can vouch that oh. there's at least one in Vegas, uh -huh. and uh, they've somehow rounded up kids to come in and listen to me talk about this. And one little girl with big eyes, you know, I took some questions because I had no idea what to say. And uh, she said, is it real? <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> and I was thinking, well, now what do I say? I mean, I, I suppose oh. as an author, I'm supposed to be committed to these fictions I've created. And yet I don't want to lie to this child. So first I tried, um, well, do you think it's real? <laughs> and her eyes got even bigger, like, who is this insane man who's asking me whether the book he wrote is real? He's supposed to know. And I said, no, it's not real. I made it all up. With that tone, did you make her cry? No, no. <laughs> no, 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 I said, I made it all up. <laughs> With your inflection. I think I sang, actually. <laughs> Book is it real, I made it all up. Did they teach you that at author school? <laughs> yes, they said, when you have a tough question, sing the answer. <laughs> and it was an overlap to singer school they taught me that, too. <laughs> singer school, author school. Why isn't there an author school? There should be an there author school. There should be an author school. Uh, yeah, which is different than a writer's school. Absolutely, because yeah. there's tons of writers. There's a lot more writers than there are authors. Oh, exactly. Everybody, like, I, <laughs> right now, everyone's a writer. Everybody's a writer. Everybody's <laughs> yeah. a writer. What was it? Somebody said, I, I think it's a Ron West line, who Ron West was told this or told this to somebody who they, he said, uh, you're, not, you're, you're not a writer, you're a typist. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, well, there's a, I think on the Dick Cavett show, Truman Capote said that about. <sighs> I don't know, Gore Vidal or somebody said, mm -hmm. that's not writing, that's typing. I love it. Those um, kind of things are, don't happen anymore, where one author will go, uh, I, at least I don't know, up against another, go up against another feuds. author. Yeah, those two, yeah. especially with those, 
um, what would you call them? Coxmen of of the writing industry of the of the book. The publisher, yeah. the author, the you mean like a Norman Mailer, you exactly. know, like an, uh, right? Combo. Norman Mailer going after uh, Gore Vidal. Yeah, you know, right. not, I don't know that that happened. It yeah, I think happen. it did. I, I think, think it did I think that yeah. is one where there's like, rah, rah, and it's like, hey, rah, rah. and it's just all about coxmanship. <laughs> well, I just read an Updike <clears throat> biography. Oh, I said pretentiously. <laughs> okay. I just I, read a biography of John Updike. I love that you gave it space at the end so that could really sink into the listener. Yeah. Think about that. <laughs> I read a biography. Wow. <laughs> middle brow. Middle brow. Not even yeah. high brow. Yeah. It's middle. Yeah. You got a bunch of brow left. You got a bunch of brow space. So you read. But there was an Updike um, and then Tom Wolf, and mm -hmm. uh, there was a third author that. They got into it, but that's been you know ten years. Oh, at least ten yeah. years. At least ten years. Yeah. How, do you get to read it all? I mean, you. Do yeah. You. you, you yeah, I, I mean, you did the Updike bio. Um, I read a lot of biographies. I like that's that your, for some reason. That's the thing that you like. Yeah. Susan Messing loves the biography biographies too. I think it's because there's always bad stuff, and so it makes me feel better about not being famous and successful. Like you don't want to be this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Look what happened to him. And actually, it's <clears throat> almost impossible to think of a guy that you actually want to be, because you know you can be very envious of their money or their prestige or whatever. But to actually be them, there's almost always something that like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, I was just having a conversation <laughs> with somebody who, um, one of my former students called me up, and he was, he, I mean, when I say former student, what I mean is like 15 years ago, yeah. calls me up um, and wants to talk to me because I'm, people will call me up for like life coaching things ah. every once in a while, which is really nice. Yeah. And he was totally having a breakdown because he's a drummer and he was watching the Academy Awards and there was, did you watch the Academy Awards? Uh, sort of, yeah. There Donnie were a bunch of drummer kind of things in, in the Academy Awards this year where it was, oh, yeah. uh, Whiplash was in That's there, but right. it's also the drumming from uh, Birdman, Birdman yeah. was in there too. And he said that drumming that they did, which is, which is a, uh, um, which is a unique style of drumming, if you will. It's a jazz kind of yeah, drumming. Yeah, jazz. Um, he said, that's what I do, and wh where's, my, where's essentially, where's mine? That's what I do, and where's mine? Where's my moment <laughs> on the Oscars? Where's my, where's my, where's my um, prestige? Where's my yeah. career? Where's my opportunity? Where's my that? And, yeah. and you, you go... <sighs> well, I'm glad you brought this up, because I, I, I was thinking about this as I knew we were going to talk, and... Uh, well, I think of two things. First of all, I want to say that uh, we mentioned Ron West's line yes. earlier, and then I said, oh, no, that's Truman Capote. On the other hand, I was just thinking about Second City on the way into this uh, meeting, and I thought of a Ron West line. It just popped into my head. There's some, he wrote a line where he, he says, now go wash your brain out with television. It <laughs> 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 was so wonderful and funny. I can't remember. It was, I think it was in an ETCC. Oh my God, that's so remember. hilarious. I'm really angry. <laughs> okay, wait, I got to wrap my head around that. Now go wash your brain out with television. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Um, but this thing of jealousy and status and mm -hmm. stuff, uh, I think about it all the time. Um, I've actually thought about. Do you think about it all the time, or do you engage with it all the time? I both. I okay. give it a lot of thought, and then uh, I try to quiet it in myself. Jealousies and worries about not being accomplished, or something. And I also think about writing a real book, 
right. not a licensed cartoon character book, but right. I thought about trying to write a book about rank and status. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Just that as a, as a theme? Yeah, trying to write a kind of Malcolm Gladwell-like, go it. dig into the research and talk to some people and then include my own thoughts about this. My concern is that they're not original, which is another topic, originality. Yeah, yeah, right, right, but, right. Uh, you know, I, I sort of ride one hobby horse sometimes, and it is um, our connection to apes. Okay. <laughs> and okay. then we share like 98% of our genetic makeup with apes. And so we're hardwired for this mm -hmm. rank thing. You know, who yes. is the alpha, who's not, and where do I stand? And of course, in, the, in performing and acting and comedy it's obvious that those are just soaked with rank mm -hmm. and concern and fear about who's the best and who's on top right but it's so hard hardwired in us that we do it with absolutely everything you know where what the world's best socks right you know and and or to be what's the best line to be in at pavilions Yes, exactly. I'm the best shopper, you know, or right. even we take it to the biggest thing in the world, you know, like alive. People say he was the most alive man I ever knew. He was very alive. Right. No, everyone who's alive is alive. There isn't like a ranking like he's 100 alive and he's 90 alive and he's 70 alive. <laughs> right. But isn't there also uh, that can be said and I, but I also love looking at that and going when I know you're talking about something else, but, you know, we're ADD. So matter. we're going. Is it he is so present. He is the most present person. I yes. know that is different than a lot. So it's is it the most present? It's true. But see, you said most. I know. So right? again, right. It, it sort of ranks people. Yes, you're this yes, present. Yes, yes. You're a little less present. You're right. not as present. Well, we do know people that are not present at all. Or we not, do. Not, they're not not present, which is also not true. They're not not present. They're, they're just not. They're somewhere but. else, maybe. <laughs> but they're, they're also, they may be present, but they're in some other. They're in their yes, own heads. But they are present. They're here and they're aware. And if you go, Jim, they go, what? Yeah. So they're not not present. <laughs> yeah, that's right. right? Assuming their name is Jim. <laughs> or if they're not present totally, they'll answer to Jim even if their name isn't Jim. Because yeah. that's how not present they are. I, by the way, will answer to Jim because my name is actually James David Lumen. <laughs> my mom thought that James David had a better rhythm to it than uh -huh. David James. She was a musician. David James. What, what did she play? Piano. You would see what I did? I did <laughs> yes, piano. yes. I did the piano. Psychically I didn't, go, the I didn't do what did she do? No, which he's is now the, as, he's Boeing. <laughs> Boeing, right. Uh, and I like to turn my head to the recording device instead <laughs> exactly. of wearing a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Are you getting this? Exactly. I say, turning right. to the right. device. As if all the people that are going to be listening to it are in this recording device on the all, coffee table. All three of them. Exactly. My wife, me, my and girlfriend. me again. Well, my, and my girlfriend, who listens to them all. Uh, Laura listens to them all. Um, I want to say this because it made me think, while you're saying, like, writing a book, if they say, write what you want to read. Huh. So why don't you just write the James David Lumen? Uh, the, biography. <laughs> the biography of myself. Exactly. <laughs> that because, is what I want to read. That's what, you, that's what you want to read. You read biographies, so just write a biography about yourself. That's a good idea. I think that Mark Twain urged, it, cruelly urged his brother Orion, or Orion, maybe. Orion so, Clemens. Clemens um, urged him to I'm, write the autobiography of a nobody. Not very nicely, because he thought this would be, instead nice. of a famous person, a complete unknown. Right, but he asked him to write an autobiography of a nobody. Of himself, yes. Exactly. Of, uh, wow. Yes. Wait, what was his first name? 
Orion or it might be an Orion. It was like a, there's something strange. I wonder if, if, I if, if Mark Twain, Samuel Clemens, was, looked at his brother's name and go, I want that name. Why didn't I get that name? I looked at my brother, Jordy, Jordan, my brother's Jordan. I was like, that's a good name. Jordan's a good name. Jordan Rosowski. Well, yeah, well, we have the Dave problem. We do. <clears throat> which is that... But you're, you're James Dave. Yes, Dave. I am. You're James David. I am. When did you drop the James? I've always been David. My mom wanted me to, and my dad wanted me to be called David, but they just did it James David. And this may have been seminal in my comedy career. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Try and put the biggest quotes ever around that word. <laughs> Which also had the same pause as the uptake biography. Yeah. <laughs> Let's well, take it in. <laughs> um, here it comes. Uh, the, on the first day of class, a teacher would say, um, now I'm going to read out the names of all the students, and if you have a nickname that you'd rather be called by, please mm-hmm. tell me. What and school is this? Oh, every okay. school I went uh-huh. to. Like grade school in uh, Christman, Illinois, and mm-hmm. Champaign, Illinois. And... Um, so she would say James Lumen, and I would say David, and I would get a laugh because it's a weird David's not really a nickname of James. So I would get a laugh, bam, the first day of school, the first time I opened my mouth, I got a laugh every year <laughs> before anyone else. <laughs> and that's important because we're uh, monkeys did the same thing. Gorillas did yes, the same thing. That's right. <laughs> right. That's interesting that. I, you know, I say I ride my ape hobby horse, but it's hard to apply to humor because apes sort of, like chimps do, sort of a, like you, they like tickling each other. But who tickled, knows but they what they... don't really they, laugh. But we don't know that that's what they're thinking when they tickle each other. No. And because uh, what is that? That is a hard word to say, but I, uh, I like to pretend I can say it. Anthropomorphize. I think you said it. Did I say it right? Yeah. So, the anthropomorph- so we anthropomorphize going, look, they're tickling. But yeah. it could be something very fucking different. That's like true. Awful. Like a really fast flea removal. Exactly. Right. We have no idea. <laughs> yeah. We have no idea. And do you remember that story a few years back in L.A. about someone that had chimpanzee as a pet? Uh, yes. And it went off? Yes. And it ripped the guy's face off and his dick off. Ooh, I don't remember that. That's what, yeah. <laughs> they'll do that, though. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll do, they'll do that. And this was like their lifelong pet and companion got loose, went nuts, and fucking, I think, killed him, ripped his face off and yes. took his balls. Like, is there anything more, more um, that more emasculating? <laughs> Not literally, no. <laughs> Both of those. Uh, I, if he had listened closely, he would have heard the chimp humming, I'm Biden my time. <laughs> it was waiting. Someday you'll come a little too song. close. I know that song. Hey, right. I'll get you another banana. <laughs> what yeah. is that song? That's an old Gershwin fight. Whatever. And he apparently waited for a penile exposure moment, unless he ripped right through clothing, which. Which I, they are fucking strong motherfuckers. Insert Hollywood joke here. Exactly. <laughs> rip I do it right post. through your pants. We, uh, we, and rip yeah. it off. We, uh, I put the before it goes post. out to the public. Yeah, there's an app the that Hollywood. I use that inserts Hollywood jokes here. <laughs> um, uh, but that must have been the biggest. Sh- that's got to be the biggest shock. The biggest shock. The biggest shot. 
Shock yes, you're, you're is your loud. pet chimpanzee rips your face off and grabs your dick and pulls it off your yes, body. Yes, they are different from us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't want to overdo this. Parallel. No, but you did say to, to you did say, Your Honor. He did say that it was like we're ninety percent genetically uh, match. Magic. Yeah, there's still that little thing that gets yeah, us. The one that says Shakespeare and. And, and the Beethoven. idea that right now, I know you're not going to rip my face off and grab my cock and pull it off my body. No. There's that in person. No matter what you say <laughs> about the... my time in Impulsive Thing or Company We Keep. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Look at that. Um, you brought some stuff. Which I did. You know, you know what? Some people do bring stuff. Well, let's not mention who, we're not going to mention this, but this was a book that somebody brought me. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think I took one Judy Carter Oh, now you said thing. who it was. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Oh, right. was I not going to No, no, that's it? okay. Because I'm looking at it going, I, do don't, know that, I don't know that I ever read that. Or? I don't know that I ever read that. I'm yeah. sure, you know, I don't know that I ever oh, read I think you know. Yeah. This stuff. yeah. All right. Uh, so um, everybody, I, we're going to have to describe what it is that we have, you have. Yes. So, so I brought these visual aids because that's so great for a podcast. <laughs> exactly. Talk about, uh, yes, yes. This is a program from an impulsive thing, mm -hmm. the comedy group that I was in, and basically all this Wait, tells us- Wait, you also did a play about a monkey. Yes, Ape Talk. Ape that, Talk. That's right, that's amazing you remember that, with Joe yes. and Brett. Joe, Joe reminded me of it the other day, uh, and uh, it was done in the West Side here, right? Yeah, in Santa Monica. Yeah. Uh, I forget the name of that theater. Something like the electric. Yes, not something. the powerhouse, but he said, "Yeah, well, yeah, it was power. was it the powerhouse? Because I thought Brett Paisel was in it, right? Yeah, uh -huh. uh, and uh, Joe. Uh -huh. That was his. Just the three of us. Uh huh. And Pat Town, Brett's uh, husband, helped us out. He sort of directed it. I guess he did direct. He's it. directed a couple of things. And, yeah. But here's the thing about Pat. He's sort of directed a couple of things that I've done. The yeah. same sort of thing where he's sort of directed. Yeah, come it. in and yeah, he's coming. It's like you, you talk to him. Yeah, uh, he did a. We did a great thing in that show where um, we had to have a gunshot. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think we went. We got recordings of gunshots and things like that. The thing that sounded the great greatest and that we used, Pat Town and his mic on. You know, like just making a gun sound. It was the greatest thing. It sounded scary and good. It sounded like a gun. But, but this was impulsive uh, thing back no, in Chicago days. Well, I just and, want to point out what I'm looking at. Uh, and this it's, is a it's on, program, it's supposedly. Program. It's typed out um, very well. Did you type this? No, I don't uh -huh. think so. so and then we all have gaggy, silly bios that tell you nothing about us. Right, right, but it's right. it's Bonnie Hunt and me. And, Andy uh, Miller, Andy Miller, Holly Wartell, Holly Wartell and, and John, John Grippentrog, um, who's now a history professor. With a name like uh, with a name like Grippentrog, you have to be a history professor, don't you? Well, with a name like Grippentrog, I can easily find out that you became a history professor <laughs> online. I love it when friends of mine who have crazy names. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Dave, uh, Andy Miller, you're going to have a hard time. Though. I have no idea what Andy Miller is doing. And and if you wanted to to Google Andy Miller, it's gonna you're gonna have to get specific. Yes, you are. You're like Andy Miller, Gingerman bartender, nineteen eighty four. Right. That's how we got to perform that's at the Gingerman. Right. Right. He started the group. Looking back on the at the at the G Man, you did it at the G Man. Yeah. Yeah, in the back there. Right. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, I might have seen that. I fucking might have seen that. What gets me about the hair one? Sure, sure. What gets me about that? time period because you're looking at the 80s right or yeah. the late, the early 80s right uh yeah like 84 84 i took classes at 
Players Workshop, I took like four levels. Uh, Players Workshop was sort of the first cousin to second season. Yeah, and I never yeah. went to the training center. But yeah. uh, I met Bonnie at Players Workshop, and mm -hmm. Andy Miller recruited me for this right. group. It's a, that whole, there's, there are places in our lives where people, where you meet people, and yeah. there's an artistic connection that's there too. And the, and the Ginger Man, which is down the street from um, Wrigley, Wrigley Field, Field. Uh, the Ginger Man was one of those places yeah. where you just, and you have a drink and you sit at the table and you smoke cigarettes or whatever the fuck you do. And then in the back room, they had the, the, the Lake Town Buskers. Do you remember those guys? That sounds familiar. Yeah. 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 Uh, they, they, they were just people playing folk music back there. Yeah. And it was a crazy fucking time. I know. I think I remember being amazed at getting laughs, even though the audience was probably all our friends. Right. But, you know, we improvised and, I mean, we did some set scenes too, I think, but we did a game thing, and I remember saying something, who knows what, improvising in a game and getting a big laugh and like, oh, was it, this was is it something. James, David. <laughs> I read an Up Dyke biography. <laughs> exactly. I do not remember. Um, but, I, but the idea of, I remember when I was, uh, I was in the touring company and somebody from the touring company asked me if I wanted to do the set on the main stage with the touring company. Ah. And it was the first time that I was on the set. It was the first time that I was in front of an audience on that set, on that on the main stage. Set. Yeah. Uh, and I remember going up there and uh, doing a stall while everybody got ready ah, in the back uh -huh. for the improv set. That's and really I remember you. saying, "What's that? That's you. That's just you. That's just when me. you're doing a exactly. stall. Exactly. Just <laughs> me going out there. And I went, "This is the first time I'm on stage here. How am I doing?" And the audience went, "We love you." Somebody <laughs> shouted, "We love you," and then people clapped. I'm like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> yeah. And I'm going, "That is the most fantastic thing." <laughs> Here's the big syringe <laughs> in your arm. <laughs> you not the first get, one's free because yeah. the improv set's free. Um, but it's really, it's really one of those things where you go, "Oh." I clearly remember that. I remember getting laughs. I remember yeah. getting a laugh and not knowing why I was getting a laugh. Yeah. Now, having no idea you were going to get a laugh. Right. I remember in Dick Cavett's book, him saying something about Groucho that he could, Dick Cavett could see for just a second in Groucho's eyes that he didn't know he was going to get a big laugh from a line that he said. He could, and then he quickly settled in like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, that's what I You could see the little the surprise. It, but um, do you, does one I, I wonder, because I don't, I'm not in the industry, I don't do that, uh, like I'll do a movie every once in a while if somebody wants to put me in it, but it's not, I don't do television anymore, I don't do movies for the most part. Um, but, so, but there's something so gratifying about being in front of a live audience and getting yeah. that laugh and knowing in the, at that moment that you're getting that laugh. Because if you're watching, if you're in the movie, you do the movie and you may get a laugh, but how do you know? You know, I know, this is... One of the really, I think, difficult and frustrating things about making movies and television. Um, I think I've written for a bunch of kids' cartoons. And, you know, we're talking about whether these things are funny. And the only way we would really know is if we showed this cartoon to a bunch of children and saw if they laughed. But the process makes that impossible because animation takes a long time and happens long after the writing. And mm -hmm. so you're just guessing all the time. And, it, and that seems sort of lame in a way. And then on writing for... TV, I would, you know, you, you've got this script in front of you and you're all reading it and you're putting check marks at something that's clearly a joke mm -hmm. or that gets a laugh in a table read from execs and others. And that tells you something. But people are writing for fellow writers and they're writing really jokey things. 
they'll write a line that's clearly a joke and you can tell it's a joke. Mm -hmm. And so that'll go in where a lot of times the thing that gets the biggest laugh is like a character saying no or right. okay. Yeah. And you can't see it on the page, but it's going to get a huge laugh from kind of an audience. I, um, what was the name of the show that you and Joe worked on? Where you They're dropped from the sun? No, no, no. I'm sorry. The, um, the animated one with the, that was Big Brother. Uh, uh, drawn Together. Drawn Together. There were a couple of, there were, uh, and, and I was trying to, I was, I was really going through my brain the other day thinking about what was this line, but there were a couple lines in that show that I, I thought were fucking genius yeah. lines in that show where yeah. I thought, who's fucking brain is putting this thing together yeah because that show was one of those things going what are you what's happening how did this get on television yes that's true it was uh, a naughty show yeah but uh, there were a lot of really clever lines and that comes from that writer's room process and not just the writer's room because sometimes you'll kick something out in the room where you're all talking but the show was very punched up mm -hmm. and so they would give you a line and say, we want alternates jokes to this line. We need to punch this up. So every writer is trying to do that. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And I would crank out, you know, I was Mr. Volume rather than quality. I was Mr. Quantity. I mm -hmm. was like, here's another but one, another, true another. Of, That's true of anything where you don't get precious with the work that you're doing. Because oh, the no. moment that the ego connects with what it is that you're doing, you're fucking done. I mean, you're, yeah. you're like, you, you might as well, you know, you're finished. You want that confidence that you'll think of something else. Exactly. And so, you know, when eight guys all turn in 10 jokes and I've got 80 jokes to choose from, you end up with a pretty good joke. Right. <laughs> you know, some of them really, and not everyone does that all the time. Not every show is punched quite that much. You also had those, the characters on that show were so, uh, and I'm using this metaphorically, were so clearly drawn. Yeah. They were so distinct. They're iconic, sort of. Yeah. Exactly. There's mm -hmm. no, one character didn't look like the other character, didn't sound like the other character, yeah. didn't have any traits of the other character, but that's why it was, so it was um, drawn together. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was essentially Big Brother, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. Right? And or, uh, or um, real world, real world, real yeah. world. But it was uh, animated, animated, and it, and and the characters were so strong, and the dynamics between the two characters. So the, the Foxy, what was her name? Foxy Love. Foxy Love, <laughs> and uh, and Betty Boop, which yes. is which, toot, a uh, toot. Yeah, yeah. Toot is toot. Her name. But she was. But those characters were. They, whatever you're imagining, listeners, that they look like. That's probably what they yes. look like. Yes. Uh huh. Um, and that's how clear it was. It was. And when we were writing things for that, and when we, we punched things up too, you start to write these jokey lines because you're writing for each other. And I, jokey sounds like a big put down. Some of them were like cleverly crafted and funny and good lines like you heard. But then every once in a while, Joe and I would try to say, Joe it, it's a cartoon. It has to be visual. Why don't if we're going to punch on this line instead of having someone just stand there and say something? Why don't we think of them falling down or hitting each other over the head or, or some hilarious visual thing, mm -hmm. and to try and get that in? That's maybe a little more the storyboard artists. I think end up doing that more than the writers. When I think about the things in um, when, I think, when I think about the things from say The Simpsons that just kill me every time I see it, um, they're both visual jokes. Yeah. Um, one is one of those Halloween one episodes where, uh, like the worlds are turned upside down and it's like little serialized, it's a, it's a, it's the Halloween one. What are the, what are they? Yeah. The Treehouse of Horrors. Treehouse of Horrors. And one was, uh, 
where it was that he went back in time and he touched a butterfly and then oh yes like that one and homer does a series of things to try and make the past good again and <laughs> exactly. all those are like visual exactly. and he just gets frustrated and starts just killing everything when he goes exactly back. but the one that and the one that was my favorite of that was um he goes in the kitchen and he says to marge something about where's where's the donuts where in that because he changed the, the past and the future yes and she goes donuts what are donuts Screams. and he goes crazy <laughs> yeah. and he and she looks out the window and she goes it's raining and, and donuts. donuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one, right. That there, has, there was I, another one where um, uh, uh, Bart and Homer were watching television and it was an interesting setup. So, so it was uh, uh, which one that you don't see. So it was they're sitting on the couch, uh, say stage left, the stage left they're sitting on the couch stage right is the television set and you look out the window of their window looking out on the street oh, so uh -huh. that's in the center and he says and it was something like boy scouts and bart wanted to be a boy scout and homer he wanted the knife exactly right <laughs> right so um uh uh they're watching something itchy and scratchy and itchy ties or scratchy ties a knot with the tongue of uh -huh. scratchy or whatever. And Bart says, um, that would never happen. And Homer says, well, every once in a while they get something wrong uh, in, uh, in, 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 on television or in cartoons. They get something wrong. And as they're saying that, walking through the window <laughs> is Bart and Homer. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's wrong. a complete mistake. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and you look at that and you go, what? That moment, that moment in the writer's room where somebody goes, that. Yeah. Yeah. The great topper, the great undercut, and you all fall apart laughing and you go, well, it's got to be that. Right. Every once in a while, too, someone will pitch a line and everyone will laugh. And then you'll try and sort of recapture it. And then you'll start, now what did I say? And, oh, then, I you'll, and then you'll start like messing with it. Like maybe it should be this. And a lot of times someone has the wisdom to say, no, it has to be exactly what you said that made us all laugh. We have to put it in that way. Uh, that's why one of the reasons that I really, when, I, when I'm teaching, I'm very hands-on uh, doing side coaching. And, I'm, yeah. I'm, and we, we work microscopically. And I, someone will say something and I will say, okay, okay, stop. Listen to what you just said and repeat what you just said to me. And they'll repeat it and it wasn't perfect. And I'll say, what did they say? And there's somebody in class all the time, usually a younger person, who knows exactly what was said, nice, how it was said. Nice, clean brain. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect memory. It's exactly. Hasn't had all this stuff scribbled over it, like right. Simpsons episodes. Exactly. Or for me, it was like dope and acid and booze. <laughs> you know, yeah. like my brain is it's like, the, it's like a, a shirt that you really like, but you washed it too many times. Yeah. And those people wash their shirts in television. So, um... <laughs> But it's that moment where you go, oh, oh. and those are the moments that I that when I'm writing something with somebody that I live for those moments because I don't know what's better than that. Yeah, that is great. I, it's pretty hard to beat that moment when you're on stage and you're improvising and something flies out of your mouth and the whole audience laughs. Absolutely. That's pretty, it's a sort of a powerful feeling. <laughs> like you've controlled them in some way. Maybe we're back to apes here. I don't know. <laughs> so, like I'm alpha at this exactly. moment. Exactly. And you think I'm tickling you, but I'm really just pulling um, comedy lights out <laughs> yeah. of you. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, and I will eat them later. Exactly. No, but that's really true too. And to be able to, um, here's something that I tell, like I notice a lot where somebody will say something hysterically funny. And then they'll say something afterwards, and I'm like, 
don't say that. Yeah. Don't say anything afterwards. Let that shit ride over you and just stand in the glow yeah. of that wonderful thing that you just did that will never, ever happen again. Yes. Uh, one thing that uh, this makes me think of is let's bring up Emo Phillips, sure, shall we? Absolutely. An excellent joke Who, writer. by the way, will never be on this show. Okay. I've asked him. Won't do it. Won't do it because <laughs> he can't not be the stage emo. Couldn't he? Couldn't you do it and he let him do that voice? I've heard he him do. Said he, he's, he, maybe, this is maybe three years ago when Michael McCarthy was leaving. There was a yeah. going away party for Michael and I saw emo and he said, I'm doing this podcast. And he said, I'd love to do it, but I can't because I don't want people to hear my voice. Maybe I'll try it again. Yeah, because he, he might. I know he did one, although there's a camera too, with uh, Penn Gillette, mm -hmm. and he did it. He just did it in his voice. That's and in in the um, voice of in his stage. In his stage voice. In his stage he did voice. The emo persona. I think for it's it. really hard to do that because it is it, hard. It's yeah, really hard. That's true. Because he he's keeping up that persona, and it's like Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah. You know. Yes, exactly. That is hard. And used to be um, Bobcat had this problem yeah, too. Used to. And right. he's pretty much, I think, dropped that voice. Well, Bobcat. Because I I, he directs and stuff. I now. love that movie that he did with Joel Murray. I still haven't seen it. But it's but I was so going to say about good. Emo. Yes, I'm sorry. That I had a. Uh, <laughs> that I met Emo years. I met him years ago in Chicago, but then out here in LA, ran into him at some party or something. He said, Oh, you're a writer. Um, and this is when I'd first come out here and I'd written like a Frasier script. He's just a spec. Got it. And he said, oh, I'd love to read your spec. And then he read it. And then he said, let's get together and talk about your script. And I said, okay. I always think of this as like my afternoon with emo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like a little movie. And we like went to a park uh -huh. and we talked somewhere in the valley and we talked about my script. And at some point he said to me about a joke. He goes, well, what's the third leg of this joke? And um, I was embarrassed to realize that that far into my comedy career, I had, uh, I don't think I'd ever heard anyone say third leg of a joke. I don't know that I've ever heard that. What and is that? So a joke, and I've just made it up in my mind since then because I was too proud to actually ask him about it. But a joke, a lot of jokes are like a three-legged stool. Mm -hmm. uh, setup is one leg. Punchline is another the third leg is the unspoken premise that we, the unspoken piece of information that we all know that makes the joke funny. So let's take like a kid's joke. Mm -hmm. um, a uh, skeleton walks into a bar and orders a beer and a mop. Um, so <laughs> skeleton walks into a bar is set up. Uh -huh, right. Uh, beer and a mop is punchline. Right. And the third leg of the joke is a beer would just go right through a skeleton. So this I've never heard that joke. <laughs> so this, it's also an adult joke. It is an adult joke. It's got beer in it. <laughs> and death, I guess. <laughs> um, but when you this all comes back to you saying, be quiet now that you've got the laugh and go don't say the third leg of the joke. Um, don't say because know, it's it's yeah, because his body doesn't isn't the bag. It. He doesn't have the bag that Yeah, keeps don't it. say that. No. I mean like Leno would say the the third leg to fill during the laugh and the applause sometimes like, yeah, because he's a very nervous, he's a big guy, you know, or, or whatever. Yeah, right. And, and that that's wrong because part of what the audience is enjoying is connecting. Right. We all know something. 
Right. And you just said something, and I'm going to show you that I understand. <laughs> so right. I'm going to laugh. It's, it's, so at the basis of all that, and it's the reason that the improviser wants to say, it's the reason that the young improviser or yeah, the reason that the young you improviser wants to say that is, what's that? They're worried you don't know. It's trust. <laughs> yeah. It goes down, it goes back to trust, which is everything that we've done. You talked about confidence earlier. You kind of just you, you, yeah. you dropped it in there. But that confidence that you go, uh, you are either going to get it or you're not going to get it. Now, here's the thing. Nobody's going to remember whether you get it or not. Yeah. Another thing is, if I said it and you don't get it, that's okay. If I said it and you get it, that's okay. Because for me... It's my unfolding, unfurling, evolving the expression of the joke, and you get to do whatever the fuck you want to do with it. That's true. That's true. And no one will get every single joke in the world. I mean, most people's, the best humor is between two friends, and you and I know about some time in Chicago, and the third leg of the joke would be the time Kevin Crowley fell over a rail or right, something, you right, know? Right, right, right. And that's great humor and the hard thing is when you're trying to perform for strangers all of a sudden now you don't have any of that you don't have any of the stuff that we all know happened in fifth grade to right. bobby and stuff like that you've got to find these universals well, well there's plenty of them well it's but whatever the room worried. is you're all in the room whatever the room is whatever the event yes. is whatever you know whatever all those things are what was it the common denominator that brought you all together and this is, uh, brings me to another thing that I've thought about comedy before, where comedy is, I think comedians, and maybe in particular Chicago's Second City improvisers, kind of like to think of themselves as a little bit subversive, and they're mostly very liberal. And, but comedy often is not subversive. In fact, comedy a lot of times is highly conventional. I mean, you can hear the edgiest stand-up in the world and if something new happens in the world, they're going to make fun of that thing mm -hmm. right. in a conventional way. They're going to go, well, that was a crazy thing that Bjork just sang. Right. You know, it's very hard to do comedy based on I'm completely accepting an avant-garde and I embrace the weird. And, because you know, you, you, the, and the people that do do that aren't necessarily seen as comedians. Because I know that we look at Andy Kaufman as yeah. a comedian, but we also look at Andy Kaufman as a performance artist. Because of what he did. At least I, you know. I do too. Right. But, I mean, there's plenty of his comedy. His little foreign man is based on some of the most conventional thing in the world. You're making fun of a guy who doesn't really speak English right. like a native sure. speaker. Sure, You know, sure. which is just the oldest vaudevillian kind of thing you can do. He just did it brilliantly and then he segued into the greatest Elvis ever. Yes, yes, And that yes. took it. To well, the Elvis, else. an Elvis impersonation too. <laughs> yeah, that's like, true. He that's... took two like utterly beat ideas right. and somehow put them together in something new and genius. Well, what he also did, what I love, was his Saturday Night Live thing where he had just his record player yes. and he had the Mighty, Mighty Mouse, Mouse thing and, and it was it. just him standing there and yeah. just going, and when the, when the chorus came in, is that what he here, here I come to save the day. Yeah. Here I come to save the day. Yeah, here I come to <laughs> save the day. And that's what he did. But in the, but in between, during the verses or he whatever waited. the fuck is that, he just wait. <laughs> yeah, he would just right. wait. And to go. And then he did sort of a lame, like, bounce with his yeah. hand in the air. It's something about performance, that joke. Right. And there's something about ego. I love that. I, I always like the I'm an egotistical maniac as the basis for it. <laughs> I like that. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Uh, and, and, but going back to the subversiveness of Second City, uh, I agree with that. And, you know, that's really where my foundation is. Not the subversiveness, but Second City. Yeah. And I always felt like, oh, it, you, we're figuring out 
how we're figuring out how to make somebody laugh based upon 50 years of Second City making people laugh. Yeah. And if you stand out too much, you're going to disenfranchise your audience. Because I, I don't know if you were in Chicago when we did the, oh, maybe you probably were, when we did the uh, parrot, the satire, the satirical take on Our Town. Yes. Joe, oh, yeah, I yeah. saw that. Sure. And I, I felt that that was ahead of its time. I also felt like it, because it was ahead of its time, it didn't belong. It, it was it stood very different out. as a satire. It's very, show. very different. It's very different. I remember laughing a lot when uh, didn't Joe and maybe Ruthie improvise? They were, they were writing a love letters. Little, they had a love letter game. They have a love letter game. It was it a was, tiny little improv game yeah. inserted in the thing. I remember oh, that being very funny. Oh my god! I mean, that thing took off too. Like all the touring companies did that. But there really? was we go. Yeah, we go back to. I'm going back now to that the. Um, the amount, like, who was with us at that time? What directors we had at that time? And it was, it was ripe. And we also had Nate Herman, who was just yeah, who was Nate. directing that show, who was a, who's a crazy fucking crazy person. Yeah, he's a crazy person. Yeah. And when I say a crazy person, I don't mean I'm kidding around. It's like he's fucking crazy. And he would go <laughs> off, and he got angry at Cheryl Sloan once, got into her office at Second City, and pissed in her plants. Yeah, and Joe, just fucking pissed in her plants. Joe and I worked on a thing out here with Nate one time, and then so we would do impressions of Nate. And it's the contrast between the super sweet, enthusiastic Nate and then the really angry Nate. He liked uh, the grocery store chain John's. Oh, John's. Oh, I love John's. Oh, the salmon that you get. Oh, but then in the parking lot, those idiots with the carts. <laughs> and that's basically almost all, anything I do that's impression-like, it's my impression of Joe's impression. Right, right, right. Joe would do it, so right. I'll do it. Right, 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 right. Oh, my God. It was just so fun to, to play with Joe in, in San Francisco. It was just so fun because we had like a, we had about a 45-minute show, and it was Joe Liss, Rachel Hamilton, and I, and it was just luxurious and to luxuriate and it's going back to like say the writer's room where you like everybody in the writer's room let's say for yeah. the most part where you go we're just going to have a fucking fun time and we have a product that we're going to do but as in It'll everything be fun getting there it, but as yeah. in everything the process is the product yes and certainly at any improv show that you see and I've talked about it before the process of watching the in, the process of the actors doing the improv show is the product that is right I mean, Donna and I, I don't really improvise anymore. I'm too scared but and old. Uh, but Donna and I sometimes will go to see Ask. Your wife. Yes, my yes, wife and I yes. will go to see Ask. This is the first time where we should, we should introduce it. Yes, the first uh, reference my, of my, her. My right, exactly. Wife, okay, good. Donna. Mm -hmm. um, we will go to see Ask at, uh, UCB. at UCB. Mm -hmm. And um, always have a great time. Mm -hmm. But it's so clearly about seeing the process of improv a lot of the laughs of them pimping each other um you know <laughs> it, right. which is funny i mean i can criticize at the end of every night i can always say oh they just stood around oh they didn't explore the space oh they didn't really listen carefully enough you know that lots of classic improv errors if they are errors were made right but we always have a good time and we always laugh god because, bless because seeing that process seeing them think of it you know and I think that a lot of people have to, 
it's so important that we, I know this is such a weird thing to say, that we educate the audience into saying, this is what the process is. The product is the process. You watching us figure the, the fuck out. That's what you're going to enjoy. Is what you're going to enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> watching us. And so the pimping is us getting in the way of each other. I'm going to say us, I mean them, because I don't, that's not my, I, I know, do that. I know, I know. You wouldn't and I would out do an error or something. Well, no, it or... wasn't the, it wasn't, I'll tell you, I did a show the other day um, at a place. I'm not going to tell you the name, but the initials are I.O. You don't have to know where the place is. I don't is. know. Um, I don't know. Um, so you got to figure it out. Um, Idiot Oolong. Uh, <laughs> I know that place. Yeah, yeah. It's a tea uh, place. So um, I did a show there, and I was working with the students, and uh, it was essentially three teachers come up and work with five students, which is great. Great yeah. fun. And we do, a, we do it a lot for them. And it was goddamn bloody motherfucking impossible uh -huh. because nobody was up there listening. Uh -huh. And I'm like, I don't want to play that game. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to direct you while an actor in the show that you're not, you're, that you're participating in, but not here. You know, you're clearly worried about the plot and all that bullshit. And I eventually called up somebody and went, I, I can't be in that show anymore. Yeah. I, I just don't ask me to be in that show anymore because of those things. Yes. And the ass cat, I mean, you got some awesome people up oh, there. Oh, they, they're wonderful. Yeah. They're really funny. And, and that helps, too, to say, well, there's, An I don't know, Andy Daly, or there's, yeah. a, you know, those other people that you Matt, see. The two mats. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You see those two mats, and there mm -hmm. they are. And so coming into it, there's that cachet, too, going, oh, this is going to be great. This is really gonna yes, be great. Yes, yes. And that's great for out-of-towners, the nieces and Clearly. nephews. So like, yeah. oh, Amy Poehler is here tonight. This <laughs> exactly. is unbelievable. That was great. But, yeah, that... And I mean, then the thing they did was different than a lot of what we would do because mm -hmm. they also do the monologue thing. So they're all sitting and listening and thinking. And I think they are writing in their heads a little bit. And they, it's not like just Is writing a in a good way or not in a good way. We say writing in their heads. What does that mean? Well, we were, all, we were sort of told not to do that. And when I was improvising in Chicago, you know, you're writing like it's a pejorative. It's like mm, you're yes. script writing. Got it. Got it. Script writing. Script writing. Yeah, got it. And, mm -hmm. uh, you should be working off the top of your head. And yes. It should be in the moment. And it shouldn't be something that you've planned this all out. Right. Obviously, because the other person does, isn't in on the plan. But that's probably not going to go with you. So. But, then that's, then that, but that, that's a major thing. I know you're heading in a different direction here. But that's a fucking major thing that I tell my students. Like, whatever you think, whatever it is that you have in your head that you think that you're going to do, your partner doesn't have that in their head. <laughs> right. And if you want your partner to have in their head what you're going to do, there's something called a script. Yes. Hand that to them. <laughs> yeah. And then let's just call it what it is. And everybody will understand it. We used to do a thing with uh, with a company we keep. Oh, look at that. Uh, where another. I have pictures uh -huh. here of the company we keep. Oh, my God. So uh, three pictures. Uh, you should see one picture of the company we keep. The company we keep. The company we keep. Um, look at the fucking people that are in this. So go ahead. Talk to me about that, and then I'm going to look at that. You, you said, well, we used to do a thing where uh, Kevin Crowley would come out, and he would go, uh, we're going to improvise a scene for you, and... Uh, uh, we just need a location, please. Uh, we need a location. Oh, thank you very much. And uh, and we need an occupation, please. If we could have an occupation, right? And uh, if we could have a first line of dialogue, please, uh, right? And if I could just have a script, um, if you could hand me a script, and then uh, and then Tim O'Malley would play the old improviser and go, "Stop it! What are you doing?" And get up from the back and go, "You didn't need all these suggestions in my day. We'd get one word." One word, that's all we need. And then we'd take one word and we'd do a herald. Oh, lovely <laughs> intro. I love that. I love that. I love it because really I looked, I watched the show yesterday 
um, where they took and oh, so this is this is the classic. I want to talk about the people that are here. Yeah. Uh, there was a classic thing where we go, okay, what's something that makes you angry? And okay. someone goes, um, uh, slow drivers, like great. And then they proceed to do an entire show of things that make you angry. <laughs> what happened to the that you asked for? Yes, you know, like people me. driving slow, but you're you're attaching it to something else. This is the one. I, this is a compact I think you have with the audience when you're going to improvise in front of them. I mean, you're already asking something of them. Instead of rehearsing something, we're just going to make something up on the spot. Um, you have to take their suggestion. You have to do their suggestion. Right. And I understand that people like to come in sideways. They don't mm -hmm. like to be right on the nose, and they don't just take the suggestion and go. They go a little bit. Up. But it has to get there. You can't just ignore the suggestion. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, or do what TJ and Dave do, which is don't, don't take they don't a suggestion. Take one. Yeah, and I don't either. Different. I don't take a suggestion yeah. either. That's fine. Well, and because I, I feel like if you're going to an improv show, um, uh, if you're if you when you're going to an improv show, remember that you're at and not just a show but an improv show. And if you're at an improv show, there's going to be improvising. So I don't have to fucking prove it to you that I'm improvising. No, no. And, and the audience believes it. I don't think there are that many. You know, like TJ and Dave calling it trust us. This is all made up. Right. I think the audience does trust that it's all made up. I don't think that they think you're doing a lot of set material. No, no. So let's do this. Let's not even try. Let's not go out of our way to go, we have to make sure that the audience, that the suggestion is being used. Because I would tell you, for me, and all the times that I've improvised, we get the suggestion, say that it's a herald, we get the suggestion for the herald, and I have to go, what's the suggestion? <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. What's the suggestion? And it keeps taking me out no, of true. that. But then again, you know, I do like the Herald. You yeah, know, I'm, I do no, too. no, I'm not going to kid you. I don't like the Herald. Well, we used, you know, we did these comedy breaks on WXRT. Me and Barb and Kevin. I remember and Tom. that. Yes. There's a picture of us that I remember Tom saying we look like the meeting of the young Republicans. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Tom Wolf. Ties on. So right. Tom Wolf and Gary right. Crowley and uh, mm -hmm. right. Wallace. God, I love and, that. And um, we would. We started out at XRT. We would improvise those. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, we would talk about them, but then we'd improvise. And. The thing we got out of improvising them was wonderful in between. You know, we were all kicking something in. We got verisimilitude because we got interruption and hesitation and all the things that are real. Right. But you don't get as much joke density. And the other problem was that the audience is a radio audience. They're not there. They didn't give us a suggestion. Right. So they don't even know that we're improvising. We just seem to be doing sort of poorly scripted material. Right. So then as we started to be paid for it and got a sponsor and stuff, we shifted and we wrote everything. How many did you do? Oh, how long were you there? For a few years, yeah. three or four years, didn't it? And, uh, was it in the morning? When, when was the... It was various times various throughout times the day. There were just like three-minute comedy uh -huh. breaks that they would Which is drop a long in. time. Yeah, three you minutes. You put a lot in a three-minute yeah. thing. If you think about how much is in a lot of 15-second commercials. Right. And then you think, okay, now I'm going to do 12 of those. Right, good math. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But then when we switched to scripting, we gained a lot in sort of smoothness and production and joke density. Mm -hmm. But we lost all the interplay because here's a script by Dave, and now here's one by Kevin, and here's one by Tom. Tom, by the way, driving me crazy with how funny and facile and quick he is. And, and I would drive out to WXRT, which was on the west side of Chicago on Belmont, with him, 
and he would get a little pad and he'd just be, you know, I'd be driving. He'd like, you'd see him stop and think a little bit, but basically just fairly fast writing and then have a much funnier thing that I had. Oh my God. <laughs> he was also. Guys like that. But he was also <laughs> one of the driest yes. people on the planet with his humor and his delivery. Fucking dry. Very. Yeah. And the confidence that, but look at, look at, you know, the four of you, like, uh, that's a really fucking confident group of people, you yeah. know, um, Barbara, yeah, Tom, and Kevin. Sort of and you. A, you know, this is like kind of a post-Second City thing for Kevin and Barb. Sure. At this point, this is like, now we'll do this. Right. Um, and, and. Maybe. I can't remember. Well. Probably I, overlapped. I think I think I remember when I was on when I was on main stage that they were still doing that. I don't know if that was on main stage because I know that Kevin came out to Los Angeles and he was the one person that hated LA the most out of anybody that I know. And then Did Tom it? and Barb came out and tried to hate it even more. Exactly, <laughs> and moved back. And then Kevin and Lucianne moved yeah. back, moved to Ohio. Um, but looking at one of the things that I loved watching Kevin and like all these people, it doesn't matter if people know that these people or not, yeah. but I would watch them on stage and they would have this confidence yes. and the confidence made the humor land so strong. And it was such, again, the clearer we are on who it is that we are, the clearer we are on what our voice is and the more confidence we have in expressing that voice the easier it is for me and for the audience as well to go, that guy's funny, or to work with me. Does that make sense? Yes. And I should listen to, here's a character that seems to have something to say. Yes, exactly. Even whether they are doing the, the most hilarious voice ever, even if they just come in and with presence take physical command of the stage, you're like riveted, like, I better, what's this guy going to say? Oh, exactly. And Kevin Crowley was that. Yes. I was taking classes at Players Workshop and we were all kind of polite with each other and mm-hmm. trying to do everything right. And then I'd go over to the company we keep that Joe Keefe had brought me into because I'd done a musical actually with him. Uh-huh. And Kevin was like, wham, you know, he would come in and just do the, uh, make a big choice. Yes. And plant himself. Yes. And, and it's just great and so, hilarious. And then you knew what to do too as a person on stage with him. And because there's also <laughs> a calmness to that too. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes, I mean, you can be manic. You, oh, one yeah. of the things, you can be manic. You could be manic on the outside, but any actor watching you is going to know that within that is a controlled, within that is this person is being manic in a controlled way. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, so, it, so when you're inside going, when you're outside going, ga, 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 you're inside going, yeah. And it's really hard because the emotion wants to get hold of your psyche and drive you. But you go, you know what? I'm controlling this thing. That's true. That's true. I, like repetition can become a problem if you're just feeling it from inside. Why? 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 Why do you Why do you say that to me? Why are you saying this? You know, like you'll say a line six times where you only need to say it once because you're just connected to that nervous energy from inside. We had like thigh slappers in class a lot, I remember. Yes. And then right. uh, Kevin got cast in The Boys Are Back with uh, Suzanne okay. Plachette yeah. and Hal Linden. And I went to a taping and Suzanne Plachette was a thigh slapper. <laughs> After all these years in the business and Bob Newhart and stuff like that. Nobody's going. No, no one was scared to tell you you're slapping your thighs in these sleep scenes. <laughs> Can I tell her? Shouldn't someone in a wardrobe? Maybe they could put something underneath <laughs> so, yeah, the dress so we wouldn't hear yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, thigh baffles. <laughs> thigh baffles. <laughs> That's a good name for a comedy group. Exactly. Thigh baffles. The thigh baffles over at Uncle Chuck's 
yucks, yucks, yucks. Five <laughs> apples. Uh, no, but all those guys, like Kevin Crowley, and again, naming people that, that maybe people don't know, but watching... Um, uh, and John J- Rabano would come in and make a movie. Yep. Big yep. physical choice. And- but you'd look at you'd look at people like uh, yeah, John Rabana, who's just like, look, look at that fucking handsome man who's got a <laughs> yeah. voice and, and can play the motherfucking trumpet. I know. Like, How dare you? <laughs> man of a million talents. And, he got, ran, and yeah. he got ran over by a car yes. on his bike, a hit and run. Yes, uh, Melody Randstrom said, John is one of God's special children. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. And when and it's like, hey, hey, brother. And no one does a Sammy Davison Jr. impersonation like, like John Rabano. But looking at Rabano and looking at so many of these people on stage, they're calm. And they're, you know, looking at all these people in these pictures, they're standing, they're calm, they're grounded. And I think... So many people that I watch on stage don't know that they're even fucking on stage. Not uh-huh. fucking on stage. Don't even know they're not they're they're on stage fucking would be the way to say that. <laughs> yes, but yes, don't yes. even know that they're they're on stage. And I go, stop it. Do you know where you are? Just stop it. Stand still and take in what's happening right now. And when I say what's happening, I don't mean what you think is happening. What I mean is you're standing on this stage. That's what's happening. I, I think that the first thing we did at Players Workshop, and I think this is like the first viola poem thing, was be in the space. And we're this class, and they said one by one, you're going to get up and stand on the stage. And that's it. You know, and Andy Miller started like being a character, maybe finally like, no, 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 no. Right. Just be in the space. Right. Just be on the stage. Now, I'd been in a lot of shows at that point, and it seemed sort of silly to me. I, I felt like I was past just standing on stage. But it's not the worst way to get a student's attention to say, okay, it's almost part of that um, kabuki thing to be really pretentious. I never did this, but Shozo Sato, yes, Kabuki Othello, Shozo Sato yeah. was at, um, the director was at the U of I when yeah, I was Yeah, that's there. where that production and, uh, yeah. And there's that, Scrubbing the stage thing, I understand that the actors actually oh, physically oh, really? clean the stage. And, you know, I think it can go too far with, oh, this is a sacred space and magic happens here and things. Uh-huh. But it's not the worst thing to remind you you're in a different place now. You're well, going to do a different thing. A costume reminds you of that. Makeup reminds you of that. Do you feel when you're writing that that's, do you feel that that's a sacred space? When you're writing, and now let's um, let's just call it, let's just because I had this conversation with Rachel Hamilton about the word sacred because I do use that word sacred space, but I don't use the word sacred space like the the Sistine Chapel, yeah. uh, that sort of thing. But it's a sacred space because it means that at at its most, say, um, uh, a sacred space being I am in this place that does not judge me. Oh, well, that's wonderful. A non-judgmental space, right? And in fact, it's the stage seems like the absolute opposite of that. I'm going to stand in this place, and they're going to shine a bright light on me, and a whole bunch of people are going to judge me. Well, <laughs> what ends up happening is you do stand on the stage, and in 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 a place, you stand on the stage in a place on that stage, and the audience looks at you, and they are judging you in a way. But what they're really doing is they're assuming something. So if you're standing downstage center, they make one assumption. If you're standing upstage left, they make another. Uh, yes, you're just that's standing true. there. That's right. So in that way, it, what you were saying was they taking that sacred space and introducing it to your 
your your your hungry ego <laughs> and say attack that person. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, when you go to see when I go to see comedy or improv, the audience so much wants to laugh. They're just dying to laugh at this. They're they're so with you. I, I rarely encounter some. I suppose maybe stand-up clubs have hostile, that. nasty, yeah. bigger, but I, and I don't really go to see that. But um, you go to see a, a comedy, a play here in town, and it's an unknown thing at some little venue. Huh, huh, you, know, you just hear the audience like, ha right. I want to laugh, please be good. And then it's terrible, and then they just give up uh, and well, they the idea leave. Of, yeah, I want to laugh, please be good. Uh, and, and also, like, I want to laugh. Oh, this entire crew. You give them the benefit of the doubt. They, they stand up. Their five people are standing up. And they're looking and going, look at these people. They're going to do an improv show for me. And there's one person who's just horrible and not paying attention. And every time they come out, you're going, no, no, somebody help them. Somebody somebody help. You're going to hurt yourself. Get away. Oh, stop it. And, it's, and, and I think that one of the things that has to happen is a lot of directors and coaches, we call them coaches. Is, which is such an unfortunate thing because it implies that it's a it's a it's a team. Yeah. But it's a cast. And when we start calling them, we're directing, I'm directing you, right? You want to say I'm a coach, but really I'm directing you. When I'm directing you, I'm looking at you and I'm gonna tell you, fucking stop moving around. You gotta you gotta put plant it. I can't hear you. Um, you're you're not listening. I'm did you hear what this person just said? Because very often it's like, yeah, you pay me thirty dollars an hour and I'm gonna meet with you guys and we're just gonna talk. And it's like, all right, shitty coaches who aren't directors, who aren't real you're not doing anyone a favor if you're not truthfully telling them, yeah. honestly telling them well, what's happening. Especially the basics you just mentioned. I can't hear you. Right. You're moving around too much. You're not listening. But you those know? three things I mean, like, I'm thinking about a group that I'm gonna be working with in a, uh, in a in a couple weeks. And I've worked with them maybe five times and I'm still giving them the note. Like yeah. walking up and taking their feet and going, stop it. Or they're, you know, bouncing their leg while they're sitting in a chair and go, yeah. stop it. You know, we had, we talked about object work uh -huh. a lot and we would, in class. And uh, why, some prescription against the word mime because mime seems to have its own world, you know, like, it, oh, you have to go stay with Marcel Marceau. Right. You're just doing object work. It's right. much, don't be scared, just do it. Uh -huh. I, maybe that's Maybe that's thinking. it because there is a pretentiousness to, yeah, to mime, mime, but really it's it mime. It is mime. Right. And we had... We had like loose mimers. This is great for a podcast, but it was just like, it looks like he's sort of wringing his hands and I never had any idea what he's doing. You know, like I guess he's either, it's like those Woody Allen jokes when he went to see mine. It's like he's either, I don't know what, doing the dishes or strangling a kitten. I'm, I'm not sure. And then, but we had one guy, one student, I love this guy who really, you know, like just did, he clearly had a mime class or something, you know, like the definition of every edge and object. And, and I did give him a note one time after a scene or something where I said, you know, it seems like everything you encounter when you're improvising really weighs a lot. <laughs> He was always like, pick it up and put it down. And <laughs> a hat. Tom, Tom Wolf and I love the bad mind. The, uh, oh, my God. <laughs> no, no, keep going. Okay, well. I'm just, I'm just, we're, you're getting excited. I'm glad you're getting excited. So what was the bad mind? Tom, and, Tom Wolf and I used to love the bad mind joke. You know, like, oh, put this hat on. 
But it, it, it expands. Size, it expands. Yeah. Goes from <laughs> little to big and big to little exactly. tiny hat and then the huge hat and you hand it to someone else. And the bad driving. Oh, I love the driving. <laughs> the driving, I would do that purpose, purposely, purposefully, purposely. The huge, like, the huge car and every, the as huge the scene nervous. is going on and then suddenly then it's just something that you're doing like, like uh, tweaking a nipple. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I have I'm as we go on and maybe you do this too as 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 I get older in doing what it is that I'm doing I do become hey you kids get off my lawn guy or that's, that's noise what you're doing it's noise which is also a Joe List voice by the way uh, um, yeah. uh, but I do want to grab people and say I don't know what you're doing up there I don't know what you're doing what you're improvising up there I it looks sloppy to me and I don't know what the fuck you're doing and you're not listening and again, it's the reason that people don't want to go to fucking improv shows. Yeah, yeah, because there's a lot that's bad. It's funny, the I can't hear you thing makes me think of being in uh, half a sixpence my sophomore year in high school and the English teacher who was directing the musical saying, I can't hear you, you know, right. project! Right. You know, just right. yelling. It's like you have to have someone yell project at you a few hundred times before you finally like, Okay, they're seeing people sitting in the back of the theater and right. they have to hear me. Or you're, when they're saying, listen, I got a note for you. To listen to what is said after I have a note for you, after the word you, <laughs> instead of going, listen, I have a note for you, and this is what you hear. Listen, I have a note for you. Jim. House. And you go, what? Okay. No, fucking listen. Be here yeah. right now. Yeah. Be here right now. Yeah. I don't know. I. I was thinking this morning about when thinking about improv that Joe said he and I'll probably tell this wrong, but Joe had something with Paul Sills one time, some sort of a workshop or something. Mm -hmm. And it seems like Paul Sills was asking what's the most important rule, what's number one. He was working with a bunch of really experienced improvisers, and they're all like trying to guess, you know, um uh Agree? It's like, no, that's not it. It's like, uh, yes, Sam? No, that's not it. Like, when Joe does it, Paul still says something about contempt for all this. Because <laughs> he no, did. No, that's not it. Right. And, and, uh, um, he explore, heighten, and, you know, like the various, pulling yes. out the various mottos yes, that we've yes. put on stitched samplers since we took. Improv samplers. And he goes, no, that's not it. It's follow the follower. Yes. He liked follow the follow. That was like the thing for him. And Donna, my wife and I still are trying to figure out what follow the follower is. We'll go on a walk and, you know, I'll talk about, oh, follow the follower. And I, it's nice that you can't figure out what it is. It's, well, it's I guess not, everybody else has a definition of what that means. Uh, but one of the things about improv that I think is really interesting is the moment you start talking about it, it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, that's true. It's the idea of, okay, follow the follower. So now I'm going to explain what follow the follower means, but then it's not really what it is that, is no, that that's we're true. describing it. So it's such a participatory, um, it's so participatory in order for yeah. you to understand it. You've got to understand the feeling and the feelings that are connected to it are the feeling of fear, the feeling of the un, the feeling of not knowing, which is fear, uh, the feeling of the joy of connecting with somebody, yeah. which is love, because there's only two emotions, there's fear and love, and just knowing those two right there and being able to go, you are exactly where it is that you need to be. It's interesting you're saying that the minute we try and figure out what follow the follower means, then we've somehow messed up the phrase follow the follower. You know, exactly. It reminds me of uh, voice lessons. Uh, 
my lovely wife, Donna, was a voice major at Northwestern. Mm -hmm. I keep mentioning her just to prove that I'm married. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Because a lot <laughs> of our authors aren't... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Donna okay. loves me and I love her. I just want to <laughs> get that in. Got it, got it. Um, but, you know, in singing, uh, I read one time that, you know, there's like 40 muscles in your throat that attach to your vocal cords and you have direct control over none of them. <gasps> it's, um, it's not like some of the muscles where you're like, oh, I'll make my hand go up and down. Uh -huh, you have uh -huh. immediate conscious control. You can't do that. You can't think like, okay, now I want my vocal cords to meet in this way, so I'll now do that. You can't. So, so what you do is... The way it's wired <clears throat> in the brain is indirect. Mm -hmm. So all voice teaching is metaphoric. You know, we always... The joke that my wife makes is fly like they sing like there's a bird flying out of your nose. You know, like just trying to, or balancing the ball on the column of air. But you have to talk in metaphors because you can't say, lift this meniscus got muscle it. as right. eighth of an inch and now you got it. Um, my girlfriend is a uh, an opera singer. Oh, and she teaches. It's the battle of the I love a singer. The, singer. the battle of the Daves who <laughs> yeah, love Daves a singer. Who love opera singer. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but um, it, it it's interesting that you're saying that because you know uh, uh, the the idea of it's participatory. So in order for you, because again, isn't that what you're saying? In you, we can't. The metaphor doesn't work. Right. The only thing that works is the action. Yes. The action of doing it. That's right. You know? No, you can't say the perfect thing to someone and now they're going to sing like Pavarotti. Right. Um, Isn't it Pavarotti? You say Roddy, I say Rody. Uh, okay, fine. Because <laughs> I, I, I used to have a Rottweiler. <laughs> I'm going to have some Rottini for lunch. <laughs> um, I... I I went to grad school here at USC mm -hmm. in English. That's where my and girlfriend went to USC for a grad school for uh, music. For, oh, it's an excellent music yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. And um, the guy who was the head of this program in teaching writing, basically, would talk about that thing that English teachers do where they give you a wonderful piece of writing to read, mm -hmm. which has value in learning how to read, but that's... In learning how to write. But it's <laughs> and not, learning not, how to read. And learning how to read. But the thing he would always say is, um, here's George Orwell shooting an elephant. Now go write like that. And then he would just laugh really hard. You know, like, you can't just, that's not, he said, that's not, there's a difference between, like, if you're learning to be a music composer and music appreciation. If I'm just having you read Orwell essays, that's just music appreciation. I'm not teaching you to be a composer. And this has something to do with pedagogy, you know, like, yeah, I can't just say, oh, you want to be a comedian? Well, watch this Woody Allen movie and this road picture. I have to give you something more than but that. But it goes back to what you're saying. But you about, have to do that, too. But it goes back to what you're saying about comparing yourself. Yes, Because I can't, I, I can't write like Orwell. I need to write like Rosowski. That's right. And when people say, oh, I want that career, you're not going to have that career. No, that career is already happened. Right. And even the advice that that successful person can give you, you know, might have been the way to make it in 1958. And, you know, it's like almost worthless. It's only the most general things that are that still apply. And you probably already know those. Right. 
you know, be funny and work hard and be nice to people. <laughs> Don't be a jerk. <laughs> you know, and, and there's also make a lot of contacts. Right. <laughs> Why, the list has gotten really long of what has to happen. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant just be funny and then the rest will happen. Um, that is the longest podcast. We're going to end there. That was <laughs> awesome. Long. That was really good. We're going to cut out a lot of it, but uh, yeah. there you go. The pauses, the pauses after the uh, updike thing. Oh my God, don't you dare cut that. <laughs> was I wrong or was that great? Thank you, Dave Lumen. Thank you for making me laugh. Thank you for making uh, our audience laugh. Uh, and thank you for the future laughter that you're giving us. Oh, by the way, uh, Dave Lumen's tweets on Twitter are... Uh, it's 140 characters of, of love and yum. It's just so hysterical. Uh, now our thanks. Uh, ADD Comedy with Dave Rosaski. Thanks Ian Foley. It's producer Laura Parker for technical assistance and co-producing. My dear friend, musician extraordinaire Al Rose for our theme song, I Feel Like a Million Dollars. Listen to the whole thing. Get that album, Sad Go Lucky. Uh, and uh, you, I want to thank our listeners. If you liked our show, give us a positive note on iTunes, won't you? Get over there right now. If you're interested in having me, Dave Rosaski, at your theater, improv school, corporate event, please visit Dave. Visit. <laughs> oh, you know what? It's improvised. Please visit DaveRosaski.com for more info. Thank you, and we'll hear you in our ears. <laughs>